Welcome to WP Tonic Roundtable Podcast, where a panel of leading WordPress junkies discusses the latest WordPress and internet stories of the week. Now, on with the show with your moderator, Jonathan Denwood. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Roundtable show. This is episode 473. We record this live, i.e. you can watch it on our Facebook page, every Friday around 8.30am Pacific Standard Time. I've got a powerful panel, got a special guest as well. Brian Gardner, formerly of Studio Press, is part of our panel today. And I think I've rustled up with the help of the panel some interesting stories. And I think it's going to be an interesting debate. Um, Brian, uh, would you like to quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers as our special guest? Uh, I wouldn't call it special, but uh, as a guest of the show, thank you for having me. Uh, I am Brian Gardner. Um, it sounded really strange to hear you say formerly of Studio Press, but that well, is very, very much what it is. Uh, I founded a company called Studio Press, um, arguably one of the first uh, premium WordPress themed companies from back in 2007. Recently sold to WP Engine, uh, did some time there, and currently sort of freelancing and looking to start the next thing. Oh, that's great. And I've got my co-host, Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. I'm the CEO and founder of Groundhog. We produce and sell marketing automation plugins for businesses that use WordPress. And I've got Uncle Spencer. Spencer, would you like to introduce yourself to the listeners of yours? Spencer Foreman, agent provocateur of the show. I intend to keep that promise. Yeah, because the rest of us have no opinions at all, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah, there we go. All right. Sally, my friend Sally, would you I'm, like to introduce you? I am Sally Getch, organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup in Oakland, California. Uh, my business is WP Fangirl, and I've been building on Genesis since 2011, I think. Um, so uh, uh, <clears throat> try not to be uh, uh, too fangirly on Brian. Right. Before we go into the main stories of this week, WordPress and the internet in general, I just want to mention quickly a couple of our sponsors. Um, this show's main sponsor is WP Feedback. And what does WP Feedback do? Well, if you've ever been in that horrible loop with clients, they're sending you Word documents, Google Docs, sending you text messages about button changes, position of images, blah, 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 and you're not getting them or you can't understand what they mean and you keep saying, I don't understand, and they keep saying, well, you should, you're the professional. Um, if you've ever been in that horrible position, and I'm sure most of us have been, you need WP feedback because it makes, it provides a visual way for your clients to tell you and give you clear instructions around a project in any size. And it's just a lifesaver. I've been using it myself. It's made a big difference in my own business. And I think you should go over there, look at their plans and purchase one of them. And if you do that, they're giving us a special deal, beloved WP, the tribe um you put in wp tonic rocks i repeat that wp tonic rocks you get 25 percent off any of the plans uh our secondary um sponsor is launch flows and launch flows what can i say about launch flows if you're looking to build modern funnels in wordpress 
this is the plugin for you. It works with WooCommerce and it enables you not only to build funnels for your e-commerce um, websites, but all types of WordPress websites. And it works with the leading page builders and it makes the whole process of building modern funnels painless. So if that sounds interesting, go over to launchflows.com and find out more. So on to our first story. Alimator raises a 15 million Series A led by Lightspeed Venture Partners. Uh, and this caused a bit of controversialism because um, Post 8 has published it and seemingly Alimator wasn't very happy about that. What did you reckon about all this, Spencer? I wasn't really sure what the big fuss is about it because it seems like, first of all, the company's growing by leaps and bounds, right? Uh, we heard that they have over 100 people already. And second of all, is that I know they're not Silicon Valley-ish, but saying that you're taking more money to continue growing doesn't seem to be the kind of thing to keep in the dark. So on the one level, <laughs> I mean, I love it. One of the things that I personally involved with Elementor, uh, involved myself with, is of all the page builder plugins thus far, Elementor is the only one that can live inside the body of another beast. So if you have, let's say, uh, an affinity for Divi or you're using Gutenberg or whatever, you can still use Elementor with no ill consequences, I've found, and get all the benefits, especially on sales funnel pages. But that's not necessarily true the other way around. So I love what they're doing, and I love that from a developer standpoint, that everything is accessible and can build on it. So to the victors go the spoils. We'll see how this works out. What do you reckon, Brian? Uh, well, I think, and, and I don't know for sure, but what I was told was that I think the big thing about the post status thing was that they broke the news before like press release went out. I don't know how true that is, but that I think yeah. is kind of where some of that stuff went down from an ill will standpoint. Um, it, strangely, I, I'm actually envious of the news. I think it's, it's great that companies are doing such a big thing. I, I know that when we made our announcement, you know, what, almost a year and a half ago, it was kind of a fun WordPress news event, that kind of thing. Um, but beyond that, like, it's really exciting to see the size of which they've made the impact, right? The, the, the dollar amount that they raised, the number of people, which was almost twice as much as we ever had at CopyBlogger slash StudioPress combined. So I, I realized the magnitude of which what they're doing is what it is. Uh, so from that perspective... Um, I'm a little bit envious of how how much they've succeeded and how big they've grown and all of that. And sort of as a small guy, it kind of inspires me to like say, okay, what again can I build that can make such a big impact? How do you, do you think, I suppose in some ways this is a ridiculous question, but it's coming from me, so the panel's used to it. Uh, um, so, you know, how do you think this affects Gutenberg in some ways, Brian? I think Carl Hancock said it best. I don't know if he was speaking tongue-in-cheek or if he was legitimately sharing some inside knowledge that he has. He responded to Matt Mullenweg's tweet of the announcement on post status saying that he thinks that it is not necessarily going to diverge kind of into Gutenberg, but that they're looking to build sort of a white-labeled website building experience, which just happens to be powered by Gutenberg on the back end. Uh, I don't know what that will look like, but it seems like when you raise $15 million, it's not just to just, you know, kind of keep the status quo and really swim alongside, but you're looking to, in some some way, shape, or form, kind of compete against the mothership. Yeah. What do you reckon, Sally? 
I, I also saw that about the possibility of a, a hosted service, which does seem plausible. Lots of people are, are creating SaaS products of one kind and another. Um, and, you know, I, I heard about this first in the, the email uh, that I get from PostStatus, uh, which was, you know, the first I heard of, of either the announcement or the controversy about it. Um, and, uh, you know, <clears throat> Brian said, after publishing this story, Elementor asked me to delete my post and messages about it on social media. They also asked people who shared the post to delete their shares. When other people posted the story in Elementor's Facebook group, it was deleted. The fundraising round was listed publicly on Crunchbase. Cached versions of the press release were available by Google Archives. Additionally, this funding round was almost a year in the making. People knew. Um, and the point he's making is that, you know, nobody asked him to observe an embargo that, 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 uh, apparently they didn't think of post status as a, a, you know, sufficiently big news outlet to, to bother reaching out to. Um, and it is kind of a PR 101 thing that you don't like say, We'd like to put this under embargo, and here's all the stuff. You ask them first, would you agree to an embargo about our news? And if they say yes, you send them the material. Now, it seems like they didn't send post status anything at all, but, but that, you know, you can't expect people to observe an embargo if you haven't asked them to. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think... <laughs> You know, best of luck to Elementor and, and congratulations. And and it seems like, you know, we're seeing a lot of stories about uh, investments and acquisitions. And I'm wondering if this is going to be kind of uh, the year for funding WordPress-based businesses. Yeah. What, what do you reckon, Adrian? That must be music to your ears. <laughs> so if uh, anybody who, if anybody on the investment team that led this $15 million round, my name's Adrian. Uh, <laughs> you can look me up at groundhog2gs.io. I'd love to start a conversation. Um, but no, seriously, uh, it, I congratulations to Elementor. Uh, Elementor and... Uh, software that I've been getting a lot of uh, traction in my feed, my Facebook feed and the ads and whatnot, I see a lot is called Webflow. Uh, we've talked a little bit about it before. And just from looking at the ads of Webflow, CMS and Elementor, they look mighty similar. And Webflow is a SaaS product. Uh, and I see Elementor going down the road into creating a pretty lightweight software as a service version of their uh, of their editor to build nice, pretty websites relatively quickly. We know of a WordPress page builder that is already doing this, and they have been a previous sponsor of this show, and they're called Brizzy. So we there, there is a proven market for it. Now, Brizzy is a much smaller organization than Elementor. They're at like 50,000 customers or something like that. Uh, but their SaaS product is a major portion of their business model. Now, if Elementor can then reach into their pocket of 4 million active installations and all of the designers that use that and then turn that into a monthly recurring revenue instead of their ridiculously inexpensive like yearly license, then that presents a major business opportunity. And that's where I see them going with that because, you know, those monthly recurring revenue dollars is just, I, WordPress creators kind of got the short end of the stick because it's pretty much the yearly licenses are nothing. 
SaaS and that monthly recurring revenue presents a massive business opportunity, and that's that's where they're going to go with this. Uh, yes, this, this reminds me of one one thing is I read Elementor's own announcement about this, and they link back to a a, a post saying that basically they they. They were responsible for for the uh, new business of being a you know website creator. And I'm like, come on! There were lots of people out there who were building sites with page builders before Elementor. Now Elementor took off and and spread and grew and developed a market in the way none of them had. Um, but there were certainly yeah. the the web implementer types using you know God help us Visual Decomposer um, years before that. <laughs> You know, I want to I want to jump on what Adrian said because, and and Brian might want to pipe in, although maybe limited to what he can say about it. But the idea of the consolidation is really demonstrating itself here. You know, the bigger players that had other positions like hosting have to do other things, right? The WP Engine team making their acquisitions, uh, acquisitions, GoDaddy. Uh, you can talk about what's happening or not with Liquid Web. There's all these players moving around, but at the heart of everything is the same catalyst, which is. We don't know what Automatic's going to do, but clearly to stay pleasing to their investors, they've got to make a monthly recurring revenue model that makes sense. At the same time, they're hamstrung by the open source. So in the open source space, like I've been harping on, it's all coming down to a stack of stuff. And I feel that fair is fair is fair. Everybody is gaming for what is the stack of stuff you're going to get if you have a relationship with me? Like, is it Netflix versus Disney versus uh, Spotify versus whatever? Well, I see it here. I have my own versions of it where, you know, you have five plugins and that's the core. Now, if a company wants to offer those five things or whatever their particular take on it is for 30 bucks a month, and in return, you don't have to pay $1,200 a year for your WooCommerce licenses or God knows all the other plugins. That's the logical outcome of all of this. So my personal prediction has been consistent, and I'm going to double, triple down on it, which is the open source model is going to continue, but it's going to move to a model of each player is going to offer their own here's. You get everything in one place with hosting for X number of dollars per month. And once those players define themselves... Mm-hmm then it's going to be another similar race to the bottom for... You know, who you know who's doing that right now? W- WPMU Dev is doing that right now with their yeah. own stack. They have, they have like essentially their own recreations of every plugin, form, security, caching, like the whole, the whole shebang hosted on and there. And God help you if you platform. use any of them. But, but, there's, but there's a different... I mean, but it exists. Are, hold on. You are right. And James Farmer has talked about this. And I love James's whole attitude. But the big difference between WPMU and this is I'm referring to brand name bundling. So WPMU has acquired certain plugins like the Schmush it and so forth. And that's great. But for the most part, you kind of bought into their own cult, which was fine of like the whole panel and, you know, they're hooked into your life. I'm referring to more of Screw it. We'll make licensing deals with all the authors. Those authors, you and I have talked about this, Adrian, those authors will get full-fledged credit for their product, for their sales, for whatever, but they're being packaged together, just like how BMW buys name brand audio components and mufflers and wheels, and it's like, you know, the, the, the hopped up version with whatever. That is the model that I see happening for most WordPress retail. Yeah, funny, funny enough, Spencer, I know a, a I know a company that specialises in the support and building of learning management systems and uh, <laughs> WooCommerce. That's funny enough, done something very similar, Spencer. Exactly, but that's the point. <laughs> the point is that this is like gravity 
of it takes the same effect on everything. It all pulls it into the middle. It's unavoidable to anybody in the space to think that we're going to continue with a model of people will browse the repository randomly, then they'll buy a premium license for 10, 12 different plugins and pay a thousand, two thousand a year when everybody else is going to be like, hey, $49 a month and you get everything plus hosting in one package, plus we know how to support these five or six things. That's the logical outcome, just like we have for, like I said, media. You go to Netflix, unlimited stuff. That's the model people want in our economy. They don't want to buy a la carte stuff anymore. So whatever the outcome may be, the difference will be, is it white label? Is it brand name? You know, Costco, which I love when I leave the house. I love how Kirkland takes the Wait, retail product. Spencer, you leave the house? Occasionally. They, exactly. When they offer a product with their brand, first they put it in there as the you know original brand. And if people love it, they go, oh, we make a deal with those people, put our brand on it, and now you can get your bacon from us instead of Hormel or something. Anyway, long story short is I think that this encompasses a lot of the other topics, which are where are we going to be? And then Elementor's competition, you both pointed this out. <laughs> Gutenberg is well-intentioned, but it doesn't even come close to what you can do with any of the real monetized page builders like Elementor. And now that they've got the money, why is it that the table shouldn't be turned over the other way? that Elementor just thumbs its nose at Automatic and says, like, we don't need you. We can do the hosting. We can do the plugins. We got the relationships. We're in a good position to just get all the, uh, you know, recurring revenue every month. There you go. All right, on to story two. Red Edit CEO says TikTok um, is fundamentally parasitic sites, privacy concerns. What did you reckon about this one, Adrian? Are you just starting with me because I'm like, I use TikTok the most out of everybody here. Exactly. I, I didn't know you did that actually. Do you? Do you? Right. That's interesting. I don't, that's I right. don't, you, that, that means that his stereotyping was accurate. Yeah. Do you use it? I, well, I just watch stuff on it. I don't post anything on it. It's, it's great. It's great for short, good quality, funny stuff. That's, uh, does anybody remember Vine? Yes. Because it's basically Vine. Like that's, that's what it is. It's just been rebranded and now it's owned by a Chinese corporation, which is where a lot of the privacy like concerns are certainly coming from. Because, you know, any, any, any corporation owned and operated in China is basically, you know, got a government office in the far corner, you know, keeping tabs on everybody and making sure that everything is done according to the agenda and whatnot. So. I didn't get because like much. Facebook had no CIA ties when it started yeah. out or anything, you know. <laughs> we, we, we wouldn't do any of that in this country. No, absolutely not. Uh, certainly none of the. Oh, certainly not the nice Canadians. Certainly not the nice Canadians. No, not the nice. We got CSIS. CSIS is a joke in comparison to some of the other international organizations out there. Regardless of the point. Uh, uh, if you're using if you're using any free platform, if the platform is free, uh, it's not the product. You are the product, and that's no different here. Uh, TikTok's revenue model is based on advertising, and they're using this really fun method of tracking in order to pinpoint exactly what you watch in order to serve more of it. Something interesting that I can point to anecdotally is that uh, I get a lot more videos about uh, rednecks and their trucks talking like lifted high, you need a ladder to get into it because I watch all of them. I don't know why. I just find them really entertaining. But the more that you watch of a certain particular video, the more you will receive of the same type of video because uh, contrary on my my partner's phone, 
Uh, she scrolled in it and wouldn't see any of the same content. She's like absolutely none. So you'd be filtered more content the more you watch because each video has a certain like audio and like different kind of like fingerprint signature that tells them what kind of videos. It's basically just like tagging a video and saying, all right, they watch a lot. They consume a lot of this type of content. Show them more of this type of content. Netflix does that as well, you know, Newsflash. So that's just kind of the thing that they're doing. Everybody. Everybody does that that type of thing. So don't be surprised if on a free platform they're tracking your behavior in order to you know sell more ads and show you stuff that you're actually going to connect with. If, you, if the product is free, you're the product. All right, Brian. First of all, Brian, do you use it? Secondly, what kind of videos are you all seeing <laughs> on a regular basis? And thirdly, what did you think of the story in general? You know, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> Adrian's like, yeah, I knew what TikTok is. And like the rest of us were like Googling, what is TikTok? <laughs> what is this new thing that they're doing? Uh, I actually know very little about it other than I've seen some teachers and some things do like some dance moves and pointing to things. That's about the extent of it that I know. Uh, I, I'm a little bit, you know, antiquated when it comes to stuff like that. And I usually... Um, digest all of my uh, or consume all of, of my interesting video stuff on YouTube just because uh, I just, I like that. So uh, to, to Adrian's point, uh, the reason uh, I do that is because uh, YouTube continues to feed me uh, recommended videos on greatest throws from the outfield in the major leagues and Taylor Swift videos because that has become a newfound thing. Well, no, no Starbuck videos. I don't watch Starbucks videos. There's nothing interesting there. Uh, but but I do. I Every single night, I probably spend an hour to four uh, on YouTube just kind of mindlessly kind of unraveling the day. So for me, like the TikTok thing, I, just like what he said, uh, you know, all of these big platforms are, are kind of eye in the sky and watching you. Uh, unless you're like really um, uh, paranoid uh, or really want to close yourself off publicly, uh, there's only so much you can do, uh, you know, with with privacy and stuff like that. If, like, if he said, if you're on the platform, someone's doing something with your information, and you know, if if the worst of it for me is serving me up videos that I would have to go search for, then fine. Uh, you know, it, it's the identity theft stuff. Like, that's the privacy stuff that really, you know, is problematic. And uh, you know, I don't know if that's a TikTok thing or not. But um, so the news for me was kind of. Like, kind of whatever. I'm like, okay, it's this thing that's out there, uh, much like Vine. Maybe it's gone in a year from now. Who knows? Yeah. So, um, Spencer, what do you, why do you think the uh, Reddit, Reddit CEO got so ticked off with TikTok? Because you could say the same about all these platforms, really, couldn't you? I mean, I have a couple of thoughts on this. First of all, as far as the the funny part of reading the story, this is the feigned outrage at the people who violate your each and every moment of privacy going on complaining about other people doing it better than them. I mean, to hear Sheryl Sandberg whine about how they're violating your privacy. That that was pretty funny, although, I mean, just reading the headline, it's like, hello, Reddit is a complete cesspool. You you have any moral grounds to to complain about anyone? It's outrageous. It's outrageous what this company would do. I mean, just like... Come on, really? Like, do you look at yourself in the mirror when you're saying it? But listen, she's got a job to do. She's got to say what she's got to say. Does, so, she, does she have to open her mouth? <laughs> well, the, second, the second takeaway is, you know, even though we were joking about it before the show, I may be a decade more older than Brian. But even at that point, those of us who have kids and other things, Adrian, sorry, 
I'm saying I saw this app. I know what this app does. I know my kids have it. My girlfriend's kids have it. I saw it. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really need to see three second videos rolling through a stream all day long. I like Brian love my YouTube plus or premium, whatever it is, because it's not perfect, but it sends me a never ending stream of the things that I keep watching. And I notice it shifts over time, but that's plenty of action for me in one day. Like I can't spend any more time watching that to do this. And I would just be, I don't know why Gary Vaynerchuk feels it's important to recommend to businesses that they bother making TikTok videos. But if you want to chase that action, good for you. Cause I'm old enough to have seen it come and see it go like flash banner ads and everything else. I'm willing to sit this one up. But the final thing, it's just the whole, like the whole, like everybody wants to chase the latest and greatest, whatever you call outrage or the latest and greatest like trend. This is like bell bottom pants and avocado appliances. And it's like, we're talking coronavirus now. I've, I've witnessed myself that these kinds of stories are, are just don't, don't bother wasting much time on because Five seconds from now, they'll be on to the next thing to keep your attention. And I think that's what it boils down to is go back to your basics for your business or your own personal life. If you love this kind of thing, install it, except that it's going to violate your privacy. If you don't, eh. Exactly. But it was the comments and, you know, like like you said, like Sally's just said, you know, the, yeah, Red red Edit really complaining about anybody, the cesspit, one of the cesspits of the internet. What do you reckon, Sally? Right. So, I mean, apart from that, um, I'm one of those people who would pretty much run a mile before breakfast to avoid watching video. Uh, So, of of, of any kind, I was never into Vine. Uh, I was never into uh, whatever that, what that live streaming thingy. Periscope? That That, that was one. uh, That Twitter did. Um, uh, uh, And, uh, you know, so... There's no danger. I'm going to be installing TikTok on on my on my phone. Um, I think that uh, yeah. I mean, the, you know, there's this device fingerprinting thing that uh, yes is uh, probably getting into the hands of the Chinese government now. I don't know what is the Chinese government going to do with your cell phone, uh, whether it's of any use to them. Um, it, it it may not be, but yes, it really does seem like oh, they found a way to track you that's better than the way that we found. <laughs> it, did, it did seem a bit like that. A little, little sour grapes. I am just gonna right. I am just gonna complain about my competitors Me doing this stuff because you know they're my competitors and I hate them. Yeah, um, my share, my, my shareholding. Realise and them not succeeding. Well, we're going to go for a break, folks. We're back with some more stories. Like I say, we've got a great special guest, Brian Garner, joining us. God knows what he's thinking of this so far, but he seems reasonably happy. So we'll be back in a few moments. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WP Tonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WP Tonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WP Tonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white-label services can help your agency today. 
Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. We're coming back. We've had a discussion about Alimator. Why the CEO, Red Edit, don't like TikTok. Never even bloody heard of it before I found this story, but there we go. But one of the panel uses it. There we go. On to the next story. Um, after the acquisition, Flywheel in the new year. So I thought this might be a little bit of interest in for Brian. Uh, what did you reckon of this one, Brian? So the acquisition of Flywheel announcement happened shortly after Studio Press and then, of course, uh, WP Engine acquired uh, Atomic Blocks and, and Array Themes and all that. Uh, I, I, when I saw this in the stream, I was knocked over, almost dead in my tracks. Uh, I knew nothing about it, uh, nor should I have because I'm not on their team, not employed by them or whatever. So, of course, the privacy thing there was a thing. Uh, I certainly didn't see it coming. Um, I'm happy about it in a, in a strange sense. Uh, I, I, what I love most about it is um, what seems to be their decision to leave the brand intact. Mm-hmm. I think that's an absolutely brilliant decision. Uh, I think um, they realize when they bought uh, us at Studio Press, they, they bought into the brand and the community and sort of the loyalty, uh, as we've seen within WordPress, uh, whether it's Divi or Elementor, there, there's, there's zealots out there, right? There's warriors for these little smaller brands. Uh, and so we experienced that. And I, as a founder, appreciated that that's what they bought. And they told us that's what they bought. Uh, so when I saw the flywheel acquisition, I, I was hopeful that the consistency in their approach to this acquisition and growth model uh, was to be a house of brands and not a branded house, right? Uh, at, at some point, I was concerned uh, WP Engine is going to take over Studio Press and they're going to be called WP Engine Themes. And I thought that that was going to be a disservice mm-hmm. to their future. They chose not to do that. Uh, and so with Flywheel, uh, as a designer, I think um, a lot of people felt the, the gist of what I heard from the community and, and to a very small degree, myself even, uh, a lot of people were kind of ewed out by it, right? Because WP Engine is is more of a, a corporate agency style of doing business and servicing those types of folks. And Flywheel is always like like the safe haven. That's where the designers hang out, kind of the crunchy kids, the ones. And so like, I feel like that to some degree, there was a little bit of that where they're like, oh no, they're going to come in and ruin the brand kind of thing. I have not seen it yet. I have seen them more or less leave it alone. Uh, in fact, uh, I, I did actually move all of my sites once they made the announcement from WP Engine over to Flywheel uh, for two reasons. One is their UI as a designer. Their UI is just so much slicker. I just love the UI. I love being inside of my dashboard there. Uh, and also because at the time, uh, the, the plan that I was on offered 10 sites versus the five that I had. Now, to my disgruntlement, literally like three days after I moved everything over, that's when WP Engine announced, now they're going to bump from five plans to 10 plans, which would have been the exact same thing. Uh, so I see a lot of parity sort of in pricing and structure between the two, but I'm very glad that, like I said, that they left it alone and are going to kind of keep the two different types of audiences sort of in their own their own rooms, I guess. All right. What do you reckon, Sally? Um. I- <clears throat> Well, one thing I've I've noticed is that since the acquisition, I don't get calls from um, flywheel salespeople anymore, and that had been getting kind of annoying. Um, and uh, you know, I do. Well, think, we all know why you were getting a lot of sales calls before. <laughs> um, 
I do think that WP Engine has been very intelligent about how they're handling these acquisitions. I've been very happy with what they've done with Studio Press uh, and the you know the effort they've put into uh, bringing uh, Genesis into the Gutenberg era. Um, and uh, you know, I think that it's been a good opportunity for Flywheel to have kind of the background of the the funding and the resources to be able to do what they do better. Um, and uh, I'll, I haven't tried it yet, but I but I hear they finally have a, a version of local that like works decently on Windows. Um, and uh, so uh, you know, I think this is a this is a good thing. I'm glad it's working out. I've never used Flywheel, but I you know I know a lot of people who really love it. Yeah. So, what do you reckon, Spencer? <laughs> uh. I I I think that all of this I see through the the headlines of the consolidation bit, which is that when WP Engine was created. I remember talking to Jason when he first started it and he'd come off his, you know, uh, sale of his other company and, and the software and managed hosting was a big deal then because we needed that kind of a service when we were in between the, these boxes in a warehouse in Texas and something else. I don't see hosting as a business as being sustainable going forward. It has to be more. Hey, you shake your head. But the point is we see it happening all around us. Everybody who's in the hosting business is adding on other stuff for the same conversation we had before. Now, they've got Heather Bronner and they've got a great brand and they've acquired other properties, obviously, including Brian's company, which makes them stronger for that. So the ultimate thing that's got to happen here is how did they make the move into a all-in-one service without alienating the people that they took along the way? And that's a delicate balance because we've seen... <laughs> WooCommerce screw that up really bad, but we've also seen other companies like GoDaddy be surprisingly okay despite the worst fears. Like they acquired Vladimir Prelovic's company, uh, managed WP, and they didn't screw it up. So there is a possibility it could work out. But at the end of the day, you're going to see no hosting company offering just hosting. I can assure you of that because there is no money to be made from something like text messaging. You have to offer the whole, here, buy the whole bundled package. So this is cool. They got a cool team. I like everybody over there. I disagree with their imposed caching, not at Flywheel, but at WP Engine. With varnish and caching in today's dynamic websites, I think that's a mistake that has to go away. Other companies don't do it. But besides those minor technical issues, I mean, everybody's going to start competing on price and it's good for the end user. So All right. I love it. what about you, Adrian? What do you write? Um, I don't really have much more to add on okay. the on the front. It's, you know, consolidation and, you know, WP Engine is like a massive organization at this point. They'll acquire whoever they want in order to bump up the bottom line and provide a better experience for their customers. I think on the whole, that Flywheel customers got the better end of a bargain here. Uh, The investment uh, that WP Engine has been able to put into Flywheel has certainly been felt by a lot of their customers. Uh, And it wasn't the disaster that some people thought or predicted that it would be. Uh, they are still their own entity. They're still like their own service and they're just merely operated uh, and financed by WP Engine. So all in all, I don't think this is, uh, I think I think if this were to happen again under similar circumstances, everybody who'd be involved would be a winner. All right. Well, on to the next story. This came from John Locke. He, um, I was having a chat with him yesterday and he was going to try and come on the show, but Obviously, he didn't make it. But he said he um, he came across this. Somebody sent him this Twitter 
and it was about WP forms and seemingly, seemingly that if you're um, if you you're paying for it and your subscription runs out, your WP forms stops working. I've never I've never heard of this one, uh, but I read the Twitter feed and some people were pointing out that. Under um, under the um, GPL. GPL, they had there's no real coverage of this. What do you reckon about this one, then, Adrian? Uh, so yeah, uh, I came across this tweet on uh, on Twitter, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, Syed Balki, who's uh, one of the, who's the WP Forbes guy, and has a significant number of other amazing, frankly, WordPress products out there. Uh, in a recent update to their WP Forms Pro product, if your license one had their license expired, and they captured this when you new uh, so it shows you a screen preventing you from going to the edit page with an option with a button to say renew now. Uh, it specifically says verbatim. I'll just read it out. Heads up, your WP Forms license has expired and active license is needed to create new forms and edit existing forms. It also provides access to new features and add-ons, plugins, updates, including security improvements and our world-class You've got to be joking. Button to renew now and button to learn more. Uh, it got. It didn't get a huge amount of traction. and I, I just came across it by chance. Uh, but there's a few people jumping in there you know, making comments about GPL and open source and all of this stuff. Uh, and one particular interesting one that that proclaimed, uh, WordPress is not a SaaS. It is not a software as a service product. Get your SaaS stuff out of here. So I had, I had a few thoughts on this. Uh, number one, traditionally in You're WordPress, not going to defend this, are you? Pardon? You're not going to defend this, are I, you? I, 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 I am going. I am going to make comments that I thought. I will neither defend it nor <laughs> put any weight behind it, but just some thoughts that maybe the rest of the panel will then come to defense or, or be like you know, get your stuff out of here. Right. We'll see. Right off you go, young, young agent. Off you go. So, so a couple thoughts. I I am a I am a premium premium plugin developer. I sell a lot of premium stuff. Uh, and piracy and usage without a license is an ongoing issue that anybody in the product space uh, for WordPress will be very familiar with. Most of the issue comes from anybody the fact- in the product space for anything, because of, yeah. of course, you know, um, closed source software is pirated all the time. Especially the, the the issue in WordPress is because typically, as product developers and as premium plugin developers, we have one. Uh, business model, and that is to sell a license that recurs annually with and it includes support and updates and all of that stuff. When that license expires, we essentially no longer provide support and we no longer provide automatic updates, but it does not prevent the end user from continuing to use the product as is at the time of their license expiration. So that's typically the way that it works out, and most of us are totally okay with that because, you know, we, we, we knew that going in yeah. and we know that right now and we kind of just accepted that. The only option if you want to kind of like really enforce that people renew is to go down this road and as to essentially prevent... Most people just go down the road of of automatically renewed subscriptions. Yeah, so that's that's what we do, but that doesn't... Someone can still go and cancel the subscription from the billing area, right? That doesn't, you know, 
Automatic yes, although people's not a experience has shown that, that very often they don't, that once they switch to automatic renewals, like their income increases dramatically. No, absolutely. But again, that the automatic rules are not a guarantee of continued usage. Uh, we have lots of people on our own server who, or our own service who pay if, and they're automatically signed up for an automatic renewal. And the first thing they do is go to cancel the automatic subscriptions where they have to renew manually. This is a thing that happens quite frequently. Uh, and happens for a lot of different businesses. And the only way to really kind of like enforce renewal is to go down this road. It's just a question of, is it a good idea or not in the WordPress space? Personally, I think that we kind of like, as developers in WordPress, we chose our lot. We knew it going in that uh, these are the, ta- or these are the challenges we'd have to face. And we kind of just have to eat it. So we don't uh, like for our, any of our premium plugins don't stop working if the license renews. Um, and I, and it, Obviously, by the Twitter thread, it rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. I think uh, one of the, the best implementation that I've seen for encouraging users with expired licenses to upgrade is to release updates that show uh, what new features or what new benefits are available should they uh, upgrade their license or renew their license. That is possible within this framework. All you have to do is release uh, an update via the regular WP Forms plugin and with previews of what uh, possible licenses or possible or renewing would actually get you and then use that as incentive to get them to renew rather than deactivating the product. I'll end it off with, to their credit, uh, to the WP Forms team credit, they did respond to this thread and mentioned that they are, they, they have received the feedback and will be changing the way that they yeah, engage in this type of behavior in the future. So to their credit, they, they did mention that. I don't know exactly if that means that they're going to take that out or or what, but we're going to see what happens. I'm well, that, that's the only bit I don't agree with you, actually. I don't think they get much credit at all. Now, Brian, lovely Brian of Studio Press, you wouldn't do a nasty thing like this if you had been running the company, would you? Well, well okay, certainly I'm didn't gonna... before. <laughs> No, no, I'm you not. Know, you, you would even, you would have, you would have, you know, you, you would have. Come on, come on, with Brian. A, with a, with a speak, lifetime license to your Come product. on, Brian. I know it's difficult because you probably know these people, but, you know, just be truthful about it, Brian. You would have done this. I, I've been on the traditionally always overly generous and to the detriment in the growth of our company side of offering licenses here, here. <laughs> for life and all of that. And, and of course, I, on the WP Tavern interview I did a, uh, after the acquisition, that was like the number one regret we had, right? was never going recurring, but I digress. Um, I also understand the whole idea of piracy and, and all of these things. I am friends with Syed. I am friends with Jared, who's kind of the, the product lead on that line of business. Uh, it feels a little bit kind of like the whole Yoast Black Friday, oops, people started talking about it, so now we'll remove it. Kind of like, let's do this and see what happens and see if there's a response. And um, yeah, to your to to, to what uh, Adrian said, they did go in and, and say that they are going to remove it. Um, somebody said, well, even so, uh, I can't believe people agreed that this was a good idea. That kind of thing happens. People try things, they say, hey, let's see if anyone notices. Let's see if this there's negative feedback happens in 
sports happens. It's a business at the end of the day. You have to take risks and see what's available. You know, if you're, you know, a business at the end of the day is provide, we provide value to customers and we provide value to shareholders. And obviously kind of the shareholder side of the conversation here was, was certainly respected. (laughs) Now I do think there are different layers of what couldn't, couldn't happen when licenses expire, right? The the front end, the experience, it's not like the, the plugin itself breaks you're forbidden from editing it at that point. So like if a license expires and the form disappears on a page, that's, that's more problematic. <laughs> that's way problematic. That's Then you're really screwing with someone's business. Encouraging them to pay up before they can edit. Uh, I, I would find it annoying. I think the, uh, you know, the line that even we should have gone with even StudioPress is the support and updates access to. In other words, like if, you know, I don't agree with the fact that they locked, not locked it down, but they, you can't edit it. That feels a little bit too sort of intrusive. Uh, and like, really guys, like I've already paid you money. I, I'm not requiring time for support. I'm not getting updates. I just need to I fix a typo. I don't want to spend money to fix a typo in a form. Like, so, so in that vein, I think, you know, and again, they probably just said, let's see what happens and see what the feedback is. And they've got blowback and, you know, I don't judge either of those guys because they're friends of mine and I like what they do. And, and generally they produce great products and are very generous to the WordPress community as a whole. So it's one of those things where I'm like, you know what, they tried something, it didn't work. They're going to fix it because I think they'll do the right thing. Uh, and then, uh, you know, to Jonathan's point earlier or uh, Spencer's point, like, you know, a week from now, there's going to be another hashtag WP drama thing to worry about. And people will forget about it the same way we did Yoast. And the banner thing, you know, like I, I, and Jonathan never forgets about yes. No, I know. No, I, I, I have never forgotten actually, Brian. I I'm think Brian. I'm like an elephant, Brian. I never forget, Brian. I, th- I think I, I want to jump in. Can I jump on. in for a sec? Go Just on, Brian, Brian brought up a really interesting point. Is you know you don't want to pay to go fix up a t- to to fix a typo, and I think that brings up a good point. It's like this this has happened or this conversation started because value did not meet expectations, right? I don't want to like the the value of changing a typo is not necessarily worth renewing a license for however many hundred dollars, right? So when you're when you're trying to encourage people to renew or to or to pay for something, the the expectation uh, has to be equal to the amount of value that they have to invest in it on either time or money. So the, that like this, the reason that this is a problem is because the value of editing and creating new forms for this particular person is just not equal to the amount of money that it costs to renew the license. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be some sort of middle ground there. And usually for WordPress, that's in terms of support and updates. And I got one more thing I'll say on this and then I'll let others speak is my guess is that there's a, a, a juggling act of who will we alienate by doing this and who will just pay it to, to solve the problem. I, in this case, if this were me, um, I would just say, okay, I'm just going to go build another form and do another thing. I'm not going to spend 100 bucks. I'm going to go get Ninja Forms for free and I'm going to set up my form and then I'm going to not have to deal with this. There are probably a lot of people who... Uh, and this comes... like When you register like a domain and then like three weeks later, you get solicited by somebody who saws you register a domain and says, hey, we can help protect this for you for $500. There are people who pay that because they don't know any better, right? There are people who will say, oh, well, I guess I'll just hit renew or put my credit card back in and they'll get the transactional sale from that again and potentially therefore. So it's a juggling act. Like, you know, we may piss off one or two people, but if we get 10 people to pay, it's worth it. And, you know, not justifying that line of thinking. I'm just saying from a business perspective, there's probably a degree of that. 
How big will the blowback be? Is how much beneficial to it, you know, to us? How is, long will it take for the next hashtag WP drama thing to start for that people forget about this and we can kind of just like wash our hands of it? Yeah. Um, before I throw it over to Spencer, I, 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 I understand what you're saying, Brian, because th- these are people that are friends of yours. But I've got to tell you, Brian, I, I really, I feel a little bit stronger about this than what you do. Uh, um, I think it's pretty iffy. And I think it's, you know, for the casual users, it will be soon forgotten. But other people that are more observant, I think it really has damaged their brand to some degree. What do you reckon, Spencer? Yeah, I take it. I mean, those points are in line with my thing, but I take a different angle on this. First of all, this is just an example of how they are selling something that is not what it appears to be. It was always true, but people just assumed it was something else. What they were always selling from day one was two things. One is the plugin that makes the stuff Two is the service that allows you to continue making the stuff. As soon as you bought this plugin, while it was true you got a plugin, anybody who has seen this rodeo before, myself included, was like, wait a second. This is requiring me to be always logged in and phoning home to store stuff. It was always a SaaS service. Where they fucked up, sorry for my French, is they tried to slip one past the goalie at the end, whether it was intentional or not. And I do believe Syed's motives are very clear. I don't really think of all the people we've talked about, Syed's company would be one that would try to do it. It was more a negligence. But it exemplifies the bigger problem we have going forward in WordPress, which is <laughs> nobody but nobody, other than Matt Mullenweg and Automatic, was allowed to get away with a phone home plug-in in the repository. This is one of the first examples of one that sort of complied with the GPL, but really didn't because it was always requiring to phone home. Where they made their mistake was coming out of the gate, seeing whether or not, well, will people notice that they're cock-blocked from using their own stuff? And I think that was a problem because nobody will forget this. This will now set a new line in the sand for anybody going forward looking at science products or other products. They're going to be like, wait, am I signing up for a relationship here? Or am I buying a plugin? Because even at the expense of six or 12 plugins for 1200 a year, at least you know that I never have to pay again and I'll be stuck with grandmother's old, Oldsmobile, but at least I own it. Whereas going forward, if the WP Engine is offering or GoDaddy is offering or Spencer Foreman's offering, like you're signing up for our service, then it's going to be harder to sell plugins individually like this because who's going to want to pay Service, 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 service. It's like, screw it. Just give me one relationship, one bill a month from one company that gives me all these things. So anyway, the long story short is I don't feel that the outrage is going to be as big as, let's say, misogynistic Yoast escapades. But at the same time, it does bring the light on the topic, which was we really have to start thinking big boy and big girl pants about how to do business in WordPress because – the old days of getting away with stuff or having somebody shut you down. By the way, I want to bring in something that is, I don't know what the real story is on it, but one of my favorite plugins is a plugin called the Quick Page and Post Redirect. It's been maintained by an anonymous person for years and years. There is nothing wrong with it. As of three days ago, it's suddenly been removed from the repository. Now, 
There's no indication there's a security flaw. There's no indication there's anything wrong. Maybe the person just said, I don't want to bother with it anymore. But my point is, is that we've got this really passive aggressive behavior in the repository where functional plugins are. <coughs> there we are. I knew we had to have a mention of auto in this episode. I, I had to bring it in. Point well, I won't say, oh, you gave a good assignment. You have a situation, hold on, come on, let's be fair about it. You have a situation where if you take the time to learn how to use stuff in WordPress. I'm starting to feel sorry for Otto. Do you know that, Spencer? Yeah, I'm waiting for you to get him on the show. If you can get Brian Gardner on the show, you can get Otto on the show. <laughs> so the point is, <laughs> the point is, there was a time when, and again, I bring up, I'll bring up Genesis themes, right? There was a time in the early days when it was a really cool thing, how you know Genesis primarily worked with functions versus doing theme and child theme modifications, which was clever and unique. And Chris Pearson was in the same school as that back in the day. And we all went through the politics. Nobody talks about that as much anymore because the page builders and the all hosting, we're just moving to a point where people want what they want, like ready to use format. So this brings up that conversation of, are we going to bother with like, oh, well, I went to handcraft my whole thing from plugins in the repository only to find out that some douchebag removed the plugins I need. Now I got to find a whole replacement. Or is it just easier to buy a car from the showroom of somebody? Ta-da. And I think this is just part of the process of the growing pains of how will the businesses work out. Right. Diplomatically, Brian has said that he's got to go soon. I think he's saying he's he's got bored, actually. You should have realized, Brian, (laughs) we we waffle on. We waffle on for over an hour here, Brian. Uh, um, So you should have realized that. I'm sorry about that. We are coming to when we usually end. Yeah, we're Um, a bit better, actually, Brian. So uh, um, if you have to disappear, but I am going to try and end things in the next um, quite quickly. Um, so I think I think we're going to end there, actually, because Brian has been very diplomatic and uh, we respect his time. Um, have you got a, a recommendation at all, Brian, for any product service that you want to recommend to people? Oh, uh, wow. Putting me on the spot. Um, I really don't. I mean, uh, we talked about the consolidation of it all and things are ever shifting and ever changing. Obviously, I put in a plug for WP Engine and Flywheel Hosting. I use them. They're great companies, Studio Press and Genesis. And I have some intel on kind of the direction of where all that's going. And it's still as stable and solid as it's ever been. Um, so that's that's my path forward, at least with from the foundational really, side of things. Be, you know, obviously, you know, you've got the money side, but it's still nice to be able to say that after you sold something to somebody, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It is. I was I was pleasantly surprised with my experience in all of that. So, so Adrian, got anything you want to recommend to the listeners and viewers? Um, I, I, I'm, I'm scouring and looking for something. I don't actually right. have, I don't have much. Uh, I will recommend uh, this pro- provocative thought piece that's been a little bit of a conversation topic recently. Uh, it's a Justin Tadlock piece from the Tavern about uh, mega caps and WordCamp, and that's been a topic, a heated topic this morning on on Twitter. And I found it. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna add that, but I just could get my head around it. Really, I did. It's a bit, it's a bit heavy for for our show, I think, too, because uh, there's you know there's tons well, of people plus, in the WordPress um, community. There, there the diversity is massive. About Jonathan and his 
opinions about that. <clears throat> yeah, it's, that, that's how we, that, this is, the, the, talking about this article is how we get canceled. So, uh, yes, oh. <laughs> well, it's, if, if uh, yes, if, if, if we start talking about the president, we don't, we don't know what will happen to Jonathan. He might have convulsions. But I would um, recommend that whoever hasn't kind of like been part of this conversation, go have a, have a look at the, the piece. It's not a biased piece. It's, well, I mean, of course, it's a little bit biased, but he doesn't take a political stance, which no. I find refreshing. Put the link. Put the link. I did. I, I put it in there, and I enjoyed reading it. And I, it's a it's thought provoking, and I think, I think it's worth a read. Uncle Spencer, got anything you want to recommend? Uh, there's a handy plugin, uh, the Easy Theme and Plugin Upgrades plugin. What it essentially does is it allows you, if you have, let's say, updates that you make frequently from other sources and from the repository, you don't have to delete or disable what's there. You can just throw the new thing and it archives and replaces it automatically. Very handy, especially when doing a lot of construction for clients and stuff. Yeah, thank you. Put that into chat. That's fantastic. Um, Sally, got anything you recommend to the listeners and viewers? Uh, yeah, since we're coming to the end of February, I want to recommend 28daysofthewebcom um, and what it is is that they have uh, showcased a, a different um, black uh, designer, developer, uh, web person um, every day uh, uh, for the month of February. And the, the, by the guy who does the Revision Path podcast, been doing it for years. And there are some uh, people in the WordPress community who have been interviewed for this. Uh, but also, you know, if you are interested in um, making your company more diverse and um, you've been living in the like, you know, white bubble and so you have no idea where to find uh, people of color to, to, uh, <clears throat> to start including, it is a great place to look uh, to find out about who's out there and what they're doing. Oh, that's great. I think we're going to wrap it up before Brian falls asleep. But there we go. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. You, you, you grin so much. He's got to go back to Starbucks. He's got to go back to Starbucks. He's got to get out of here, hasn't he? Uh, thank you, panel. It's been a great panel. If you want to support the show, go to the WP Tonic, sign up for a newsletter. I've got to send it out over the weekend. It's in a new format. It's going to be heavily about WordPress with loads of the recommendations from the panel over the last month and with some leading articles about WordPress. Also, um, anybody that joins this month and in March, at the end of the March, I will be announcing on the last show of March, which is going to be a roundtable show, a winner of a prize up to $100. Anybody that signs up for the newsletter in the end of February and March. We'll see you next week, folks, with another great panel show. See you soon. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.